the 18th of May, 2006, episode 31. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Rookie Designer is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. Today we're going to talk about something that's kind of been a hot topic on the forums as of late, and it has to do with designing for clients and how much power or control you give them over what your final piece or what your final design is going to look like. Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the NoSillaCast podcast, hosted at podfeet.com a technology geek podcast with an ever-so-slight Macintosh bias. This week is very special to me, as it's the one-year anniversary episode of the NoSillaCast. Hope you can take a minute to stop by podfeed.com and check out NoSillaCast's one-year anniversary show. Before we get underway, I just wanted to put out another thank you. The Podcast Alley votes continue to climb, even after all my pleas for voting. Uh, thank you everyone who's going up there and doing it. If there are new listeners to this podcast, I would appreciate it if you go and vote for me. The easiest way to do it is to go to the Rookie Designer website at rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. On the right-hand side, there's a form field there. You just plug in your email, hit the vote button, and you're going to receive an email with a link in it. Just click on that link and you are completely done. It's very easy. Uh, just about the votes, they reset them every month, so I can use your vote every month. You can only vote once a month, but it really helps to uh, keep us in the public eye and keep people subscribing to this show and, and build our little community that we've built here. Speaking of the community, there's lots of people up on the forums now. As I said, the topic that we have today was talked about quite a bit on the forums. If you want to join, just go to rookiedesigner.com rookie. On the top navigation bar, there's actually there's the easier way to do it is to go to the fast links, which are on the right hand side. It should be the second link down says forum, and you can join through that way and join the discussion. I really recommend that you do so. There's a lot of good stuff up there. You can actually learn a lot from the people who are up there already. Just a couple of post contest notes. Again, I wanted to congratulate David, who was our winner. And you should be getting your package with the uh, DVD in there very shortly, hopefully by the end of this week. I want to thank everybody for their input and just let you know that it was actually very hard to choose the topic for this week because there's so many good ones to choose from now. Uh, it, it was a little hard of a decision to make. I wanted to make one note. There was an entry that was asking kind of what is the best way to fire an employee and because this is a designer show and not a middle management show, I kind of wanted to stay away from that one. My only suggestion there is just to try and try and think of maybe a job that you might have been fired from or even imagine the person's feelings when you have to fire them because, you know, it's something that should be handled very lightly. I mean, even if it's somebody who isn't pulling their weight, someone who isn't cutting it at the job, they still have feelings and, and they're still going to take it very personally when you fire them. So just keep that in mind when you're doing so. But I, I wanted to stay away from that topic. It really is outside the scope of this podcast. 
One last thing, uh, a big piece of news for those who are in U.S. and Canada. Skype actually made it so that you can make free calls out from your computer to someone else's telephone, like a landline or a cell phone. As long as it's inside the United States or Canada and you are calling from within one of those two countries, you can actually call from your computer to someone else's phone for free. And this is kind of big news because before you actually had to purchase minutes that you would use to actually call out to someone's phone. So this is great. And one of the things that that I'm pretty stoked about this for is I have some plans in the near future, hopefully, to do a couple of uh, interviews with people. And this was how I was actually going to do it. I was going to call out from my Skype to their telephone and then record it that way. And now I don't have to pay for it. So some great news there. Now, one thing that does kind of pertain to that, if you do have a comment for me, one thing you can do is Skype me. Now, again, you're going to have to download the software to do this. But if you have Skype, then you can basically call me from your computer to my computer absolutely free. And this is a great way to do it. Once you download the application, you'll notice that there's like a little find function. And you can search for my name, which is Titan Strides. If you search for that and then you add it to your calling list, then basically all you have to do is click on my name and press the call button. It'll call through and I actually have a voicemail set up which is the same one that you get if you call the uh, the number. But you'll reach the voicemail. You'll be able to leave your message for me, and uh, everything will be great. So if you have some comments and you want to leave them for free, that's the best way to do it. So our topic today was sent in by Tammy, and it was for the contest entry. And as I mentioned before, there's been lots of action on the forum pertaining to this topic. And what we're talking about here is the way that you tailor designs to the client's wishes and whether you do so basically do everything they ask for or whether you kind of try and skate around it and maybe change their perspective on things and do things more the way that you want to. I wanted to read a little bit from the email that she sent. It says, what about design that is visually appealing but doesn't sell if that's the objective versus ugly design that sells like hotcakes? For example, in Austin, there were home homevester signs abound. We buy ugly houses, they said, which are not visually appealing to her. In fact, the areas where they are posted seem uglier and junkier until they were replaced with a different billboard. A realtor once told me that she tried various versions in market studies, and the ugly version was the most successful because its garish look catches attention. I understand this, but as a designer, I didn't want to make the world uglier, even if it means making my clients successful. And this is the big topic here. Sometimes ugly things do work better. And people do, they do market research and they test things out on people. And sometimes uglier things do work. Now, I haven't seen this billboard. And Tammy, if you could take a snapshot and maybe share it with us, maybe you could put up on the forums or something because I'd be interested to see what it looks like. But I have to say here, maybe the intention of the designer was to make something that almost looked like an eyesore so that it would catch your attention. Not necessarily that it's bad design. On the contrary, maybe it's very good design because they were trying to make something look kind of ugly and they definitely did so. So from this, we go to my first topic, which is good design versus bad design. And this whole topic on the forums really sprung from a conversation about annoying typefaces. 
people were saying, oh yeah, I have people that email me and, and their emails are always in Comic Sans or I have you know, a sales manager. I actually do have a sales manager at my work who brings me things that are just completely ugly. And he says, why can't we do stuff more like this? Or he wants to use, you know, a typeface that's not normally used by designers because we consider it to be not very appealing. So you're going to find a lot of times sales managers, even some marketing professionals, they like the look of bad design. And by bad design, what I mean is the type of flyers that you get in the mail pretty much every day. They have like 10 million different pictures on them. They have three paragraphs of text and eight different fonts on them. It's just not something that someone who's trained to design would make. Then we have what I would define to be good design. And what I mean by this is we're trying to limit the content to only what is necessary in the piece. We're not crowding it up with too many images. We use only the crucial text, the the things we really want the, the customer or the potential customer to read. We have an effective use of white space. Now, it's not to say that every single piece has to have lots of white space, but we know when sometimes it's better to have less things on the page, and sometimes it's better to have more things on the page. And we know that we should only use a maximum of two fonts. Now, we've talked about good design before, and these are some of the elements that you usually need. And this is why I say that the other type of design is bad design, because it goes against almost everything that I just outlined there. It has too many images, has too many fonts, and the person, if they get something with so much information on it, they don't know where to look first, most likely they're not going to look at it at all. They're not going to read it because it looks like they're having to read a book. And they don't want to do that. And that's why you'll see, if you flip through a magazine, you'll see that there's usually some kind of big, bold headline, which is the most important part, which is supposed to draw you in. And then there's just a little paragraph of copy. And that's the most important copy to that client. They want you to read that because they think that's going to help you buy their service or their product or whatever it is. So if your client comes to you and they say that they just have to have Comic Sans in their design, well, there's a couple of things you need to think about here. And I'm not saying that you should never, ever use Comic Sans. I am saying that I would never, ever use Comic Sans. But, you know, if they like it because it looks like handwriting, there are several other fonts out there that look like handwriting. You don't necessarily have to use this one. And let's say you have a postcard and there's some kind of image that looks like a chalkboard and you want it to look like somebody wrote on the chalkboard. Well, that would be an example of a good use for Comic Sans or some other font that looks like handwriting. But if it's just a plain white postcard with some info on it and they want to use Comic Sans because they think it's cool looking, this is a point at which you might want to try and talk them out of it. Maybe try and educate them on the reasons why that might not be such a good choice. And this brings me to my next topic, which is the education of clients. How much should you actually intervene? How much should you try and tell them, you know, maybe this isn't the best idea. Maybe we should go this way. Now, I'm not saying, and I don't condone trying to hold any kind of class or don't try and teach them your job. These are things they don't need to know and they don't want to know. And it's pretty much going to turn them off if you try and teach them too much on the subject. But in my own opinion, 
I think it's okay to at least justify why you want to make them make changes to their design, such as using a different typeface, such as using less images. I found that a lot of clients that I had first off that hadn't made a lot of designs, uh, let's say for instance, I was making a brochure for someone. One of the most common things I find is that they want to make the text really big. They want their copy to be at least 12 points. They want their headlines or their, their headers to be at least 18 or 21 points. And this is just ridiculous. If you're not, if you're not designing for the elderly or someone who is vision impaired, you really don't need to make your type that big. All you're really doing is, first of all, making it look a little more unprofessional than it should. You're taking up space that could be used for important content. And, well, it's just not a good idea. So this is where I would go to the client and I would say, you know, maybe I'd make a a comp up with smaller text. And I'd say, well, this is usually how we're going to approach this. We have standards. We say, you know, copy. It can be 12 point, but it's it's good to knock it down to if we can. Headlines, you don't want them too big. They're just going to end up looking gaudy. You know, whatever reasons that you have for wanting to change their design, just let them know why. And it helps. It's it's better than just going to them and saying, no, I don't want to make it 12 point. I want to make it 10 point. They're not going to be very receptive to that at all. If you're just saying, you know, I'm the boss, I'm the one who designs it. This is how it's going to be. It's better if you can just kind of reach out to them and tell them why you think it's a better idea to make the type smaller. And with this, you really have to be careful. You have to pick your battles. You don't want to push anything too far. Again, you don't want to piss off the client. You want them to continue to bring you service. So just be careful when you're doing these types of things. The Keys to the Game, brought to you by techpodcast.com. Our keys today, something that I actually found very recently, just last week, actually. And what it does is it swaps the fill and stroke color in Illustrator. Meaning if I had a rectangle drawn out on the artboard and it was red for a fill and black for the stroke, if I use this key command, it would then be black for the fill and red for the stroke. And this can come in handy at times. This one is universal for both the Mac and PC. You're going to press Shift and X. So in the last segment I was talking about that you really need to be careful and you really need to pick your battles and know when too far is too much. And when push comes to shove, you really obviously have to back down. Some clients will just have it, have their mind made up and they won't take no for an answer. They'll say, I want this design this way and that's how it's going to be. And that's how you have to do it. There's nothing else you can do in this case. You've heard the old saying, the customer is always right And it basically is true. If you signed a contract, then you need to do what you're told. Even if you don't like it, you need to suck it up and do it because you signed a contract. So you're obligated to finish that job, whether it be how you want it or how they want it. But if they're not taking no for an answer, then you pretty much have to do it the way they want to do it. Now, this this might be something that you can learn from. Learn a little bit more about your clients before you actually start working for them. This is probably a good idea because maybe with a a certain particular type of person that you know is going to be a control freak and want to do everything their way and not listen to you at all, 
you might not want to work for that person. Well, as long as you haven't signed a contract with them already, you can choose not to work with them. That's totally up to you. And this brings me to my next point, which is this is basically a moral dilemma. There really is no right or wrong way to design. Now, I can say that I think a certain type of design is bad and a certain type is good. Both types of design are going to be out there. They're going to continue forever. There's always going to be someone out there, be it a professional designer or someone who just teaches themselves Photoshop and then goes to to work as a production artist. You know, they make eight to 10 bucks an hour and they just throw these things together. Whatever the case, both of those types of design are always going to be out there. And it's, it's not really saying that one is wrong or not. We've said before that sometimes you just need some money. You need to get out there. You need to get a job and make some money to pay your bills. And there's absolutely no shame in doing this, even if it makes you do something that you wouldn't normally do. When you were in college, you know, maybe you took that job at the drive-thru at Taco Bell because you had to pay your bills. There's nothing wrong with that. It wasn't saying that you're going to work at the drive-thru at Taco Bell for the rest of your life. It just meant that you needed to get by at that point. So there's absolutely no shame in taking a job and doing things exactly the way the client wants them. Now, this is probably not going to be something you want to put in your portfolio because none of the inspiration, none of the artistic value came from you. It basically came all from the client. So you're probably going to want to leave that out of your portfolio. But again, you made, you made some money on it and that was the whole point. One more comment from the email from Tammy that I kind of overlooked here. It says, similarly, my marketing manager occasionally tells me to car wash it, meaning make it uglier so that it will stand out amongst other marketing materials stacked around it. This is usually for a small flyer that is going to be out for a couple of weeks, and I attempt to make it look bold yet attractive, but it's still nothing I would want for my portfolio. Well, this kind of goes back to the same thing. And it also relates to what I was saying about the billboard. Sometimes you do design things for the intention of them sticking out like a sore thumb. You can ask yourself, or you can ask me, I guess, what's the difference between doing something like that and just your regular flyers that you get in the mail that look totally ugly? Well, maybe there is no difference. I don't know. I tend to think that there is because these people consistently give you stuff in the mail that looks exactly the same. Whereas, you know, maybe something like this or like the billboard is your intention is to make it look ugly to attract attention from people. Again, this whole thing is is just personal opinion. And if you feel okay doing this type of stuff, then that's okay. Again, if you're contracted to do it, or if that's part of your job, well, you better do it if you want to keep your job. But if you have the choice, it really comes down to whether you're okay with that or not. And if you are, more power to you. Now, that's what I call a rookie mistake. Our mistake tip today really goes along with what I was just talking about, about fulfilling your obligations. I, I've heard a lot of stories from clients about projects that were started by other designers, and then they just kind of flake out. And all of a sudden, they can't, they can't contact those people. They never finish the job. And you hear this with a lot of things, but I've heard this with designers in particular. And this is why maybe we want to do a little more background check on our clients. This is why we want to learn as much about the job as possible before we actually sign the contract, before we start the job. 
And it's why we use contracts. And it's why we show the client, keep them informed and show them all the different versions that we're making. If it's some kind of significant change to the piece, you want to keep taking it back and showing them and making sure that they're okay with it. All this stuff is going to help you avoid getting into a situation where there's a job that you don't want to finish. Again, as we said, sometimes clients are going to be totally bullheaded. They're going to make you do things you don't want to do. And if you're under contract, you have to just do it. I mean, it sucks, but sometimes things just roll that way. But if you do these things in the beginning, you're really going to help yourself build a better relationship with your clients and know beforehand whether you want to work for them or not. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our site for today is actually the website for Layers Magazine, and you'll find this at layersmagazine.com. Now, I think I've said before that this is a great magazine to have to subscribe to if you can afford it. But if you don't subscribe to the magazine, you can also use this site. They have free tutorials in video format. They have reviews of different products. And one thing I noticed, they had a review on one of the uh, Wacom tablets, which has been another hot topic on the forums lately. And there's also just some standard news about Adobe, about other things. So even if you don't subscribe to the magazine, this is a great website to check out, a very good resource. That's about all we have for today. As always, if you have questions or comments, I definitely welcome them. You can contact me one of several ways. Again, you can Skype me. Just go ahead and search for Titan Strides, which is my name, and then you'll be able to hook up with me that way. You can call the voicemail line at 619-573-4043. You can email me, adam at rookiedesigner.com. Or you can find us on MySpace at myspace.com slash rookiedesigner. And I've been getting a lot of friend requests lately, so thanks guys for signing up there. Just know that you can email me through that as well if you want, or you can post a comment up there too. As always, I want to thank everyone for listening, new listeners and old. And just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's can get in my way I never wanted to stay here I've never been so confused This is not what we are used to Trying to change my world Finding it hard to blame you You could be somebody else You can be left on the shore